Derek, welcome to the show. Excited to have you on. Thank you for having me. So for people who aren't familiar with you, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So my name is Derek. I am a registered dietitian and board certified specialist in sports dietetics. Fancy way of saying sports dietitian. Uh, so what I do is, you know, I obviously do nutrition planning and meal planning um, really for all kinds of people, but uh, main emphasis on athletes. So high school, college, professional athletes, as well as adults that are kind of into general fitness and, you know, kind of looking to improve their health and fitness, but to a little bit of an extra level, right? Not maybe not just body composition, but you know, they want to just get good workouts in. Um, so that's what I do, right? I, um, I, you know, right now I own my own business, my private practice, full circle sports nutrition. That's where I you know, work with athletes really all over the world. Uh, prior to that, I, I did, um, work a few other internships, right. To gain some experience. So I did, uh, I worked with the soccer team at Duke University. I worked with a few teams at University of Georgia, IMG Academy, um, as well as some other like clinical stuff. That's incredible, Derek. Now, when it comes to working with athletes, you mentioned you work with athletes of all different ages, of all different levels, and anymore, people kind of have unique diet approaches that work best for them, right? Some people go with like a vegetarian or vegan route. Other people are mm -hmm. using a carnivore route, and some people kind of go middle of the road. Uh, how do you go about balancing different uh, diet kind of requirements that athletes might have uh, to maximize their performance and, you know, provide the nutrient that nutrients that they need? Yeah. So one thing I always emphasize, at least with like, I have different programs, right. But with the nutrition coaching, which is the main one, the one where I really get to sit down and, you know, video chat with clients. It, the thing I always emphasize is it's very personalized. So whatever food preferences you have, or the way, whatever way you like to eat, it's built around that. So um, do you want to follow a vegan diet? Okay. Do you, can you not do lactose? Do you want to eat, you know, meat, but you won't eat beef or pork, or maybe you don't like fish, any of those, right? Every, you know, everyone has their, their own dietary preferences. And I always emphasize we can work around anything. Because you can, you know, certain foods are obviously better nutrient sources than other foods. But if you don't like those high nutrient foods, that's fine. We can get those nutrients from other foods. Um, and, and even so, right, when, so let's say that's, they come in with those preferences, right? Easily work around it. Sometimes, you know, we start working together and then, you know, a couple months in, they're like, you know, I want to switch up. I want to try doing a vegan diet or I want to do this. Um, and if they, you know, if they're dead set on that, we work with it. Um, and there's always ways around it, but, um, sometimes I talk to them and realize, you know, why do you want to do this? Right. Some people say they want to do intermittent fasting because it's the way to lose weight. And I talk to them and kind of educate them on why intermittent fasting works and how we can get the same results without having to restrict yourself. Do you, if you want to be a vegan, you know, why is it going, a lot of times people want to do it for health reasons or for, you know, moral reasons. And we go, okay, like, Moral reasons, I get it. I'm not going to really talk you out of that. Health reasons, you know, I'll explain, you know, how you can eat lean meats or, and still be healthy. Um, Performance-wise, I'll go over the research and showing that, you know, there is no benefit to following a vegan diet versus a balanced lean meat diet. That was yes, fruits and vegetables as well. So I always work through that, kind of go through the research with them. But at the end of the day, it's their food preferences, what they want to do. And there's always a way to make sure they hit all their goals, regardless of that. 
I love that point. And I can't echo that enough is nutrition is so individualized. And a lot of people anymore, it kind of seems like they, you know, are like, everyone should do this, everyone should do this. And in reality, nutrition is kind of a spectrum, right? And the best answer usually exists somewhere in the middle of that spectrum. So letting people kind of do what they want to do and what works best for them uh, tends to be the best way about it, as long as that um, method doesn't involve, you know, eating highly processed sugar and artificial seed oils in excess quantities, right? You know, there has to exactly. be a balancing act to things. But in general, find what works for you and stick what stick with what works with uh, for you. Now, when it comes exactly. to tracking and measuring success, how do you track and measure success as it relates to nutrition? Is there a certain scale or outcome measure or a certain <laughs> physiological variable that you like to track? That's a really good question, actually. So um, as you know, a lot of fitness coaches and, and some nutrition coaches as well, they'll use the scale, but they'll emphasize scale doesn't always mean anything. So they'll also have their clients do before and after photos. Mm -hmm. um, however, but with my clientele, especially, you know, I work with a lot of kids under the age of 18, you know, I don't really want them, you know, sending me pictures like that. Not that it's necessarily legal, right? Because, you know, they're clothed, but it's still kind of a gray area. Um, and I don't, want i also just don't want that age i don't want them looking at themselves like that and comparing themselves even to themselves others um so that is a great method to use but i can't use it with a lot of my clientele so what i do is i use weight and also compare it to other markers energy strength things like that so a lot of times i'll ask my clients how do you feel during your workouts how is your how are your numbers going they'll be like oh i added 30 pounds to my bench or to my squat or you know what i was doing for one rep i'm doing for five reps now and I'd look at that and compare that to the weight gain because chances are, right, if you gained five pounds in a month and your squat, your bench, all that went up a lot, then you gained mostly muscle. If you gained five pounds, but your strength didn't change at all, chances are it was almost all fat. So that's a, obviously a negative marker and something you want to fix. So it's it, basically, I, I mean, I use a combo of things, right? Because also they don't have, not everyone has access to an accurate body comp measurement. So I use... I use weight and then I use the markers. How is your strength? How is your energy, your stamina? Um, you know, you, you um, a couple of basketball players be like, oh, I, dunk I dunked for the first time. So it shows their strength is going up. I'm hitting more threes. I hit the ball farther. All those little things, because at the end of the day, your weight, it, it, your goal is to gain weight, gain muscle, look however. But the ultimate goal, the reason most of my clients come to me is to be a better athlete. So if everything else looks good, but their performance on the field or on the court is not getting better, then none of it means anything. I like that approach that you use. It's very functional. And like you said, yeah. so many people don't have the ability to get a accurate body composition measurement. And even if you do, <laughs> it's going to cost you so much money. Is it oh, really yeah. worth doing that so regularly? Exactly. And athletes in general shouldn't concern themselves too much with their body fat percentage, right? Unless you're, you know, a running back at like 40% body fat, then maybe we have to talk. Yeah. But in general, you know, athletes should have a certain base level of body fat because the leaner you get, the higher your injury rate is. So if you're a running exactly. back and you're at, you know, 8% body fat, you might want to stick at that 8% instead of dropping yeah. down to 5%. Uh, and athletes in general just have a ton of unique uh, considerations. And you brought up that most athletes really want to increase their performance. And a lot of people don't realize that controlling your nutrition is a huge uh, influencer on your overall performance. 
So a mm -hmm. little bit of a loaded question, but when it comes to working with athletes, is there a certain uh, deficiency that you notice that really improves their performance the most? Is it, you know, mostly protein deficient or a certain vitamin that, you know, when you increase levels of that vitamin, uh, a certain micronutrient in their diet, their performance increases, or mm -hmm. is it something more general, like just eat more calories? Yeah, it, it's, it's the last part, right? It, it varies a little, from, a little bit from athlete to athlete, right? Like you'll get cases where they're anemia, like they have anemia, right? So obviously in that case, it's the iron they need to fix. Uh, but majority of the time, it's the last thing you said, it's just their calories. They're, they're not eating enough. Um, and from there it varies, right? Some athletes aren't getting enough protein and overall calories. Um, I, a lot of athletes, particularly a lot of um, football and baseball players, they're getting enough protein um, because they're downing protein shakes. They're eating eight ounces of chicken at a meal and, you know, more than they need. Um, they're getting enough protein, but they're not getting enough calories, mainly the carbs. And that's, and that's why a lot of clients like, in the first couple of weeks, because like, we follow up after two weeks, um, they notice that their energy is just unbelievable. Like that, that's always the first thing they notice how much more energy they have because they just weren't eating enough carbs. Um, and, and there's some instances where they're not eating enough protein as well, mainly because they're just not eating enough, like eating often enough. Um, but in general, I think the, what I've seen with almost every client is just their overall calories are not enough. And the reason for that is athletes need a lot of calories, right? Like it, I mean, to an to an average adult eating 2,800, 3,000 calories a day is like, what? That's so much food. That's low, low average for most of my clients, right? Like a lot of clients need more than that. Um, it's it, so they don't realize how much food they need. And that's why they're, that, that's why they usually come to me deficient. That's why it's always the first thing we fix. Right. So in general, make sure you fuel enough. Now that can be a challenge because as you said, they need to eat so many calories. Not everyone can yeah. scarf down, you know, 1500, 2000 calories for a meal and make all those calories, you know, yeah. quality, high quality, that sort of thing. So how often should athletes be eating in general? Right. And, and that depends a lot on yeah how many calories they need, what their schedule looks like, what their food preferences are. Typically, I aim for about six times a day with an athlete. Um, if they're lower calorie, maybe five, but then dietary preferences come in, right? Let's say you're on a vegan diet. So ve vegan diets tend to be a lot more filling because there's more fiber. You need to eat maybe seven to eight times a day because you eat fewer calories at a time because it's so filling. A lot of athletes are, you know, they focus on eating clean, right? Which, you know, I hate that term, um, but they only, and they're afraid to eat things that are, you know, calorie dense, like things that have a little bit of sugar in them or super high fat or anything like that. And it makes it difficult to get a lot of calories at once. So that's where, again, maybe they need to eat seven times a day um, because yeah, you don't want to eat 1500 calories at one time. Um, but even still, right. You know, some athletes might need 800 to a thousand calories per meal. And then, you know, obviously smaller snacks. So it, a lot of that depends, right? Um, but I actually had a tweet about this a little while ago. And it's like I said, I often tell athletes eat six to seven times a day. And there's a little science behind that. But the main reason is simple math. If you're only eating three times a day and you maybe grab a banana in the middle of the afternoon, you're not going to hit 3,000, 3,500 calories, you know? Right. Unless you're eating huge meals and right, which is a great factor with that too, is just note how you feel after you eat, right? If you're eating smaller meals, 
and you feel really good afterwards and you, you can keep training and keep your energy levels up, then you must be doing something right. And, you know, the opposite is also true. If you eat two or three large meals a day, like that's what works for me. And I've kind of come across that after years and years of self-experimentation and playing around with different eating approaches. Uh, but for other people, eating two or three large meals a day is not going to leave them feeling like they want to. They're going to kind of crash and, you know, kind of just feel run down, kind of like that post-Thanksgiving meal hangover, so to speak. So it's really about finding that individualized approach, as you mentioned, that really works for you. Uh, is there anything when it comes to performance? So say there's like a event, a game, a match of some sort, should people be eating in general? Is it okay to eat before you compete? Uh, because obviously when you're competing, you have blood flowing to the muscles and not yeah. the GI tract and the gut to digest. Uh, so should people, can people be eating and still performing well before competition or if they should wait, how long should they wait? No, you absolutely should eat before a competition. Not only, it's not a matter of can you, but it's actually, you should, right? Mm -hmm. um, because food is fuel. If you don't eat before a big game, you're not going to have enough fuel for that game. Um, but to the point you said, right, the blood flow, digestion, all that. So the timing is important. So we always try to recommend getting that pregame meal about three to four hours before. That gives you enough time to digest any fats, uh, fiber, protein in that meal, right? You still want to be kind of on the lower end of fat and fiber, but you have enough time to digest it three to four hours before, right? Right. And that's then, often not practical because a lot of athletes have those early morning games, right? So you're not going to wake up at 4 a.m. just to have breakfast. Um, so in that case, you know, there's a scale. The closer you get to game time, the, it's basically like a, like a triangle. So three to four hours out, almost a full meal. If it's two hours before, just carbs and protein. And then if it's like an hour before, just carbs. So like, you know, for an 8 a.m. game, maybe you just have like a bagel with, you know, a little bit of peanut butter. So you gotta, you're going to do a little bit of fat, right? And you get like a bagel with a little peanut butter, a little cream cheese, an hour before the game. And, and that's good to go. Um, but you do need that fuel or else you're starting the game on an empty tank and it's not great. And then when it comes to post-competition or post-performance, a lot of athletes, if you've ever been to a gym or just a competition in general, they're slamming, you know, protein shakes and Gatorade and, you know, pretty much every sports supplement under the uh, moon is being consumed by someone right after competition. And right. is that kind of a, you know, thumbs up thing to do? Like, yes, you know, get done with your workout, get done with your competition and then slam the protein shake. Or should you perhaps wait a little bit longer? Um, so a lot of it depends really on the sport, when the next game is and all that, right? So I say a lot of times for football players, mm -hmm. what you eat right after the game isn't super important because you have a week till your next game. Yeah, you have practice in a couple of days and all that. But, you know, in the grand scheme of things, like you have a week to recover. Now, a lot of other athletes, soccer, basketball, baseball, softball, all that, are playing multiple games in a day, multiple games in a weekend. And in that case, it's very important that you, yeah, you get something right after the game. Now it's not practical to eat a meal right after the game because your body temperature is elevated. So you're not hungry. You're mm -hmm. also on the field. So you got to get home or you got to find a restaurant. So it's, it's not practical to eat right then. So downing that protein shake, like a, getting one of the ready drinks or some powder, um, downing that with like a granola bar or banana to get a little carbs as well. That's perfect. You definitely want to do that. And then about an hour, hour and a half later would be your lunch or your dinner. And then another snack a couple hours after that. 
Um, but the way you eat right after a game is crucial to your recovery. You know, blood flow is going to the muscles, your glycogen stores are craving the nutrients. Um, every hour that you wait to eat really impairs that recovery. It impairs how quickly your glycogen can be restored. So I always say when you have multiple games in a day or multiple games in, in a weekend, like, or even in a week, right? So if you have a game Saturday and next game is Monday, that the preparation for Monday's game starts with the final whistle of Saturday's game. It starts right then. If you delay yourself too long, you're going to delay that recovery and it's really going to hurt you coming into that next game. You brought up a great point there is the recovery state during tournaments and days that you have multiple competitions back to back to back. You mentioned football and football's nice. You have a weekend between mad yeah. games, but not everyone plays football. Some people play baseball right. where you have, you know, 162 game season and all those games are pretty much back to back. So having that ability to bounce right back and keep a high level of performance is key. And that will mm -hmm. help you retain muscle throughout the season as well, right? It's kind of hard for a baseball player yeah. to train as hard as they do in season uh, as they do out of season. Uh, because, you know, at that point, your games are so frequently, your focus is on performance, not building and gaining more muscle and training hard outside of the game, right? You know, exactly. you, might, you might walk off the field and it's 11, 12 o'clock at night. You get to bed, you wake up at 8 a.m. and now you have a one o'clock game that day. So you exactly. really have to balance things. You also, yeah. you also brought up uh, temperature in there. And I think a lot of athletes don't understand the role that the air temperature can play in their caloric demands. Mm. Uh, so when it comes to, you know, we're recording this in December, so the weather tends to be a little bit colder outside. So in general, people are going to have to eat more when they're playing outside in the colder uh, temperatures. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, so two points that, right. Um, when I had mentioned temperature earlier, I was actually talking about body temperature. So when your body temperature is elevated, you feel less hungry because the hypothalamus is trying to, you know, regulate it. Um, so that's why you don't feel hungry right after a game. But to the point you said, yeah, it, the colder it is outside, the more calories you burn. Think about it, right? Calories are heat energy. It's a measurement of, of heat. So, and your body wants to maintain your normal body temperature, right? That's why your skin gets cold out when it's cold outside because the heat is, it, heat's escaping, but it's trying to keep the core, like your core is always going to be warm. But in order to keep that core warm, you're burning more calories to produce that heat. So in a cold weather game, you know, a lot of it depends on where you live because it's what your body feels is cold, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, if you live in Florida, it could, this could be at 60 degrees. Um, but for, you know, I'm in New Jersey, right? So here, when it hits 40 degrees, high 30s, you know, let's say you're, you don't start in a soccer game, right? So you're on the bench for the first 30, 40 minutes. You could be burning like 300 calories there, just trying to keep your body warm. Um, or even if you're playing, right. And it's warm ups and you're cold, right. Once you, once your body heats up, it's fine, but yeah, you're burning more calories and a lot of people fail to realize that. So you do need to eat a lot more carbs on those cold weather games and practices. Um, and especially with practice, right. It's, a lot more standing around maybe you know you're not getting as active um so you're burning a lot of calories and let's say you have practice monday tuesday wednesday and you don't get extra carbs in there for that then thursday night you have a game your glycogen is very depleted going into that game without even realizing it um so it's very important to obviously monitor your weight monitor your energy but you're not always going to feel it as an athlete so bring an extra granola bar bring some extra gatorade for those cold weather practices 
Right. So you're consuming more carbs through liquid in that sense to uh, match the caloric demands that you need to stay warm. Whatever's easiest. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Now on that topic of liquids and fluids, uh, is there anything that athletes should or shouldn't be drinking? Uh, you know, there's people who will make an argument for Gatorade. There are people who make an argument against Gatorade. There's people who make an argument for pre-workout. There's people who make an argument against pre-workout. In your experience, do you tend to recommend athletes consume, you know, sports uh, drink products like Gatorade or like a pre-workout before a training session or use like a nitric oxide supplement or something similar to that? Or is that something that you just kind of shy away from in general? Yeah. So Gatorade and Powerade, absolutely, right? They're formulated for athletes. A um, couple concerns people have with the sports drinks are the sugar content and the food dyes. Like artificial sweeteners and all that stuff, food dyes, they're regulated. You know, whether or not you trust the FDA, you know, there are a lot of scientists working for the FDA. They study this stuff. They're not going to allow anywhere near the amount of toxic food dyes in food and beverages. So don't worry about those. As far as the sugar content goes, yes, yeah, sports drinks are high in sugar because athletes are burning a lot of sugar and it gives you that quick energy. You know, if you're just uh, sitting around on the couch all day watching TV and drinking Gatorade, yeah, that's not great for you. Um, but in, if you have a lot of activity that day, you're in the middle of the game, that's where it's great. Cause you want that sugar. It's going to give you that quick energy source. So, um, those things are good. Um, pre-workouts as a young athlete or an athlete in general, I'm very against pre-workout powders. One is, you know, when you're young, you don't want to build up that caffeine tolerance because you're going to regret it later in life. And two, you shouldn't need it as a young athlete, you have enough natural motivation and energy to push you through a hard workout and succeed in that regard. Um, if you find that the, you need that little bit extra to get a pump and get the best out of your workout, then you're not a motivated athlete. And that's something to obviously consider. Um, but yeah, so for athletes, I'm really against pre-workout um, as an adult, right? If you're post, you know, post athletic, you just work out for general fitness. Um, and you need that little extra boost, then pre-workout's fine. Like personally, um, I actually was against pre-workout altogether for a while, but you know, early this year, I started taking it myself, um, from, for most of my workouts right now, every single one, but yeah, I, and, it, and it works, right. There's benefit to it. There's, there's no denying that it's just that it's not necessary or really a good idea for younger athletes to take it. Right. And when it comes to pre-workouts, the formula matters, right? The amount of caffeine oh, yeah. in it, the amount of citrulline in it, the amount of the ingredients that um, come with it really matter because oh, yeah. some of them, you know, some of them are basically an overdose of caffeine. And if you want an overdose of caffeine, just go drink two or three cups of coffee. It'll be cheaper for you. Um, yeah. Some of them are pretty much straight citrulline, which if you're after the nitric oxide effect, go eat some beets or take in some uh, mm -hmm. cacao or something similar to that. And you'll get the same yeah. effect. Um, you so, it. you know, I, I like to promote, you know, using the food first uh, and then yeah. using the supplement as necessary. Um, mm -hmm. And there's some people that kind of take that the wrong way. Right. You know, I'll tell people, you know, it's okay to drink, you know, a cup of black coffee before your workout in place of the pre-workout, um, you know, just kind of tailor it to as you see fit. And I had a um, young athlete I was working with, she was a lacrosse player, 
and she would go to Starbucks and get one of those large, I call them foofy drinks. They're full of like sugar and everything <laughs> under the sun yeah. in there. And she would drink one of those before a workout and she would feel ter- terrible. And I was like, well, <laughs> may- maybe if we clean that up to black coffee instead of, you know, um, I don't know what it was, oat milk, extra sugar, caramel, whatever with whipped cream. Um, you know, yeah. just kind of use a little common sense when it comes to what you put in your body before you work out. So when it comes to uh, supplements in general, we've talked about pre-workout. We touched on protein a little bit. We mentioned the ready to drink. Is there any supplements that athletes have a tendency to take that are just kind of overrated in general? Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I see a lot is BCAAs. Yep. Um, again, well documented for anyone here that is unaware of it, BCAAs are a complete waste of money. So it's leucine, isoleucine, and valine. Um, three very important amino acids for muscle growth. And, and that's why BCAAs are, are so tricky and why people think like, oh, you definitely need to take them because you need BCAAs for muscle growth. You don't need BCAA supplements because you get plenty of those three amino acids in the protein-based foods that you eat. So that's why you don't need to supplement um, another one I see a lot is multivitamins. Now there are some people that need multivitamins for sure. Um, you know, if you, there are studies showing that if you're training, if you're doing a lot of hard training more than 20 hours a week between, you know, it affects nutrient absorption a little bit and breakdown of nutrients. So taking a multivitamin can be beneficial. Most people that take it are taking it as a precaution. Oh, it's, you know, it's going to make me better or it can't harm me. And yeah, you're right. It's not going to harm you. Um, but a lot of times it's unnecessary as long as you get a balanced diet. Right. And that kind of speaks to the importance, again, of individualizing your nutrition approach, right? Very few people, if any, are deficient in every vitamin that's in a multivitamin. And if the importance of a supplement is to make up for voids in your diet, then why not just go in and get some blood work done or testing? Um, I usually get three or four uh, lab draws a year. And we just look at the vitamins that, you know, I'm intaking and see if I need to be. Uh, so, you know, right now it's winter time. I'm living in the northeastern part of the country and there's a lot less sunlight than normal. So I'm going to take a vitamin D supplement because I know I'm not going to produce enough vitamin D uh, because there's no sunlight. So it's mm-hmm. kind of tailoring your vitamin and mineral approach to what you're deficient in That's instead it. of yep. using a shotgun approach and hitting everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With, and vitamin D is tricky, right? Because you can get plenty of it from food as well, mm-hmm. um, right? You get it from dairy products, you can get it from egg yolks, um, but you're right. Yeah. If, you know, over the summer, it's obviously a lot, lot, obviously a lot easier to get, but some people, you know, um, certain things you got to consider even then, right? Um, skin color, right? So the darker your skin, the less vitamin D you actually can get from the sun. Um, if you, you know, you go out and you put on SPF 30, SPF 50 sunscreen before you get outside, you're not getting the vitamin D from the sun. So um, it's kind of the opposite of our point, whereas, you know, maybe in the summer, some people still do need to take the vitamin D um, because you're not going to get it from the sun anyway. So kind of one of those tricky things um, that, you know, part of it's going to the doctor, getting tested and you're getting your blood levels tested and seeing. You mentioned before BCAAs. Would you recommend athletes take EAAs in place of BCAAs? Is it better to get the full package or is that also a little bit overhyped? Yeah, so that's that's the other thing too, right? It's a lot of people talk about um, 
like, oh, I don't take BCAAs, I take EAAs. And I'm like, well, BCAAs are part of EAAs. It's the same concept. Unless mm-hmm. you're on a vegan diet, and even if you're on a vegan diet, mm-hmm. you can still get your protein, AAs is harder. But if you're eating, let's say you need 150 grams of protein a day and you're getting 150 grams of protein per day from mostly animal sources, then you don't need the EAAs because you're getting it all from your diet. Um, and to that point, right? Yeah, essentially amino acids are important you need for muscle growth along with all other amino acids, but it's the, the three BCAAs and especially the leucine are the ones that are most important for muscle growth. So let's say you were deficient and you really did need to supplement amino acids for muscle growth. In my opinion, the BCAAs would be better or at least an EAA that has the same amount of the BCAAs in it. Cause those are the three that are really more important. That makes sense. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Now, one thing that really stands out about athletics, I think you mentioned before that they travel a lot. They're always on the road. How do uh, athletes, how should they go about eating when it's on the road? Maybe you're in that worst case scenario and, you know, you end up at a less than optimal restaurant. Is there a kind of damage control strategy that you use yeah, so, or recommend? So a lot of it depends, right? If you're in the middle of a tournament and you got a game the next day, then you got to be as healthy as possible. Try to get a sit-down restaurant fish, chicken, you know, baked potato, get a veg, like one of those kind of things. Try to avoid the fried foods and the fatty meats. Um, a lot of good things. There's good, and there's things that people think that don't, people don't think are good, but actually are, right? Chipotle is fine. Any kind of sub shop. Chick-fil-A can be okay, right? Um, but let's say you went away for a game, right? And you're done, right? You don't have another game the next day. You're just moving on. At that point, I like I said, at the end of a tournament, at that point, I usually say, just go crazy with it. Eat whatever you want, right? You were good all weekend. You got your healthy foods in. Um, you don't have anything to recover for immediately. But what you do need is a lot of calories because of what you did that weekend. Go ahead. Get a bacon cheeseburger and fries, right? Get a milkshake, whatever it is. Um, you know, but save it for that end of the tournament. But if you have more games, it, it's hard, right? You're not going to eat perfectly healthy, but you got to remember – everyone else on your team and everyone else you're playing against is in the same boat. They're all got, they're all eating out. They're not having chefs traveling with them and stuff like that. Um, so it's, you know, you just got to make the most of it and try to choose the healthiest options possible. Yeah. Agreed. And if you are at a place like home where you can cook and prep and all that way, you can get creative and make some of those, you know, more nutrient, well, delicious foods, nutritious in ways um, so I've worked with people in the past and uh, they've come out and gotten creative. They used uh, grass fed beef to make homemade hamburgers. They've topped it yeah. with grass fed cheese uh, and they've kind of thought outside the box and you can really find ways to, you know, make things that are usually a little bit less than healthy, uh, healthy, uh, if you're creative right. with it. Um, when it, The last thing I really want to talk about is when it comes to athletics a lot of people kind of question, you know, what impact optimizing their diet and nutrition can have on them. And is it worth the money? Is it worth the investment? That sort of thing. So what in, when it comes to investing in someone's uh, nutrition, what, why is it that they really need to get help and get someone like a dietitian or a nutritionist to really help them and kind of navigate that journey for them? Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, you're right. It's very important. It's worth the investment, but also be you know upfront. Obviously, not everyone needs nutrition coaching, right? right. It, it, there's nothing in life that everyone needs, except obviously air, food, water, all that, right? 
you know, some people have less complex needs. Some people just have a good understanding of it and can figure it out. That's, that's obvious. But with that said, there are majority athletes that could benefit from nutrition planning and fixing their nutrition. And again, it seems expensive to some people to, and it, it is, it's an investment. It costs, you know, it's a few hundred dollars, right? It's, it's not necessarily cheap, but yeah, you get a lot out of it. And a couple of examples I always put in are, um, you know, one thing is the injuries, right? So a lot of times I'll have like athletes DM me, they're asking for nutrition help. Let's say it's a female athlete that hasn't gotten their period in a while. Um, or just other, like a male athlete, just like, um, you know, I'm not feeling well. Right. And I'm like, yeah, here's how I can help you get more information in the program, check in with them. And they say, you know, sorry, like, I can't, like, it's too much money or I don't want to spend money on nutrition. Um, and you know, you got to leave it at that. But then, you know, two, three, four months down the road, I get another DM from them. Be like, Hey, like I just, you know, got stress fracture. I just, you know, tore my Achilles or something like how should I eat when I'm injured? And like, it sucks getting those messages. Cause I just know that, you know, if they had spent a few hundred dollars earlier on that injury wouldn't happen. And now they're looking at a thousand and $2,000 of medical and PT costs. And that's assuming no surgery, no surgery in there, even with good insurance though. Right. Like, but a stress fracture alone doesn't require surgery, but you're, you have your doctor's visits, you got your three months of PT with good insurance, that's going to be about $1,200. Whereas a few months of nutrition coaching with me, five, $600, and it could have been prevented. Um, so that's the actual money there, right? Plus what you lose from not being able to work out. So scholarship chances. Um, and that's the other ROI is aside from the injury, if you're, you know, aside from football and basketball, and then like I think women's tennis and, and all that, most college sports are, um, can do partial scholarships so it doesn't it's not a all or nothing right so you can get a 0.1 scholarship a quarter scholarship a half scholarship every little bit you do at these showcases increases your chances of not only getting noticed and getting offers but how much they want to give it to you right so like think about free agency in professional sports you know the top free agent the teams are going to offer more of their salary cap to you that's essentially what it is. Each team has a limited scholarship amount, right? So, men's soccer is 9.9. Baseball is like 12 or 14. Um, and it's, it's a salary cap, essentially. And the better you are, the more they want you and the more they're going to offer you. So let's say you're getting college looks and you're like, eh, you know, I'm getting college looks, but they're only going to offer you 0.1 scholarship. But you show up, you get more, you play better, you show up to the showcases. Because in a lot of that comes from nutrition, right? You're getting better workouts. Plus, you know, I actually worked with athletes during the showcase, like how to eat that exactly that weekend, what to do. And let's say that turns into a, that point one turns into a point two scholarship, right? In-state tuition is what, 10,000 a year. So over the course of college, that's $4,000 you're saving right there because you spent five or $600 on working with a dietitian. Um, and that's a small example, right? That point one usually will go to a quarter to a half or it goes from zero to a half, right? So now you're saving $20,000. And the problem is you're at, in those situations, I'm working with kids, right? I'm working with 15, 16 year olds that don't quite understand economics, right? And I mean, I didn't really understand economics after college. Um, so I don't, I don't blame them for that. But, um, a lot of times it's their parents, honestly, too. And that's where, you know, you'd hope they understand it more. But um, I try to explain that, you know, try not to be too pushy with it either, because 
Um, you know, you have that when you're also the face of the business, you know, you don't want it to always be about money, but it's, it's a thing that some people realize. Um, and to an extent, nutrition coaching is a privilege. It's, um, something that, you know, not everyone can afford, but, um, if you are able to afford it, it really can make that big of a difference. Um, and that's just the performance side of it. Right. Um, health wise too, we talk about it too, is, you know, getting into shape, losing that body fat, being healthy, it saves you so much money down the road in medical costs. Um, and not just, not just the financial, but the well being too, right? My first job as a dietitian, I worked at a, um, a nursing home slash long-term care first, um, nurse or a skilled rehab, right? So, so you break your hip, get surgery, and then you need to do PTOT. So you live at this place for a month or two. Um, and I saw a lot of patients there that would come in and out there. They spent all their times at doctors and all that. And a lot of it's because, you know, they had great careers and made a lot of money. They're working and they neglected their health and their nutrition. They ate so poorly, didn't take care of themselves. And now they're paying for it. Um, and it's just, you got to think ahead. You got to invest in yourself. Definitely. I couldn't echo that anymore. With that, Derek, do you have any kind of closing thoughts or anything that you want to close out on in the way of nutrition um, for athletes? No, I mean, the, the final thought is, yeah, just your remember that your nutrition is so important. Um, whether you're you know college athlete trying to go pro, your um, I forgot the exact numbers, but the chance of going pro, it's I think it's around like one percent, maybe maybe even less. Um, if you're a high school athlete and you want to play in college, you have a seven percent chance. If you want to play D1, you have a one to two percent chance. And remember, not just because you go D1 doesn't mean you have a scholarship. So if you really want to get a scholarship, less than one percent. Everyone that you're competing with, every when you go to these showcases, every single there's thousands of athletes there. Every single one wants to get a Division One scholarship. Not everyone there is going to get it. Everyone there is working hard. They're going to practice every week. They're doing extras, right? You think you're you're out working everyone because you go to a strength facility four or five times a week outside of practice. You wake up early to go running in the morning. You're not the only one. I can guarantee there are tens of thousands of other athletes at your skill level, at your age, that are doing the same thing. The difference is how effective those workouts are. Your nutrition makes those workouts more effective or less effective. You, If you eat properly, you have more energy going into them. Your strength gets better. Your speed gets better. You recover faster. So you can have more efficient workouts. You don't get injured. So if you want to get to that next level, working hard, doing extra stuff, is not going to be enough. You have to prioritize how you eat, how you sleep, how you recover. Yeah, I can't echo that enough. It's a whole holistic picture. You have to make sure everything is in a row. Absolutely. Before we go, Derek, do you have any uh, links or do you want to talk about your book a little bit or any way that people can stay in contact with you and see what they're doing, see what you're doing? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, if you want, if you guys want to follow me on social media, TikTok and Instagram is nutrition.with.derek. Um, Derek is spelled D-E-R-E-K. Um, or if you want to email me, you can send an email to Derek at fcnutritionnj.com. Um, so you can email me there. You can also go to my website, fcnutritionnj.com. Host of programs there. Um, but yeah, you can email me, DM me, whatever's easier for you guys. 
Um, and from there, if you have any questions, if you want to work with me, um, just yeah, shoot me a message. Happy to give you whatever information you need to get started and see what I can do to help you. Great. Derek, thank you so much for your time and for coming on the show today. Really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you.